0: on Local Now, Channel 525.
1: Good morning, happy Friday, happy New Year. Jimmy Sangenberger taking over for George Brockler for the rest of the show this morning. Thanks for being along for the ride till 10 o'clock as we round out the year of 2023 for weekday programming. Good to be with you. Of course, I host the Jimmy Sangenberger Show Saturday mornings from 6 to 9 right here on 710 KNUS. Looking forward to tomorrow's show. I'll tee that up later on in the program. We've got some really fun stuff in store. If you want to join into the festivities, we'll get back to the phones in a moment at 303. 696-1971. 696-1971. Six, six, and of course, keep those texts coming on the 710 KNUS app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town, if you wish to text in, please. So I know George was talking about the Boebert switch. She's moving from the 3rd Congressional District into the 4th as far as her candidacy is concerned, maintaining... The position in the third in Congress, she's still there to fill out her term in the other district while she's running for CD4. And it's been fascinating to see some of the reaction and response. And here's some of it as I was coming into the station this morning. From various angles, I mean, there's a lot to consider when you're talking about a major political player like Lauren Boebert saying, I'm going to hightail it on out of my current district because of all the, as she talked about with George on the program yesterday, dark money coming after her. And uh, frankly, she's made some slips that have hurt her as well in the third CD and her chances and made her a more vulnerable candidate. I love Lauren Boebert, but it is true that there are some weaknesses that she has developed over her tenure that have made her a target more for the, the left. And there's only one way that Adam Frisch could raise as much money as he did. And that is not just, oh, dark money, but if they have a candidate that they can make into a boogeyman or boogey woman in this case and say, hey, give us money because she's terrible. And they can then make that case. So clearly CD3 was a very difficult reelection bid for Lauren Boebert, so she makes the switch to CD4. And there are many different arguments, of course, one way or the other, for why folks are supportive of her, her track record standing up for critical issues and values and principles that must be stood for in Congress. Without a doubt, she is a fighter. She epitomizes the fighter in many respects. But at the same time, you have one of the issues, of course, that George was talking about in the last hour. And that is she's coming into another district. She doesn't live here. She may have lived here a little bit, she says, when she was... Younger when she was a kid, but she's not from this district. She doesn't live here. It's clear that she's running because it's a better likelihood for a Republican to hold this seat in CD4 than in CD3 if she's the candidate in CD3. So there's a question. Would you vote for Boebert or not? Because she is coming into this state or this uh, district from another district, not living in CD4. And we'll get to that more in a moment, but I have to tell you the dumbest reason to complain about Bobert making this switch. Just the one that makes absolutely no sense. And not only that, it's Uh, Well, just plain stupid. So there is this email list. I don't know how exactly I got on it. Other people I've talked to don't exactly know how they got on it, especially because, well, they're not activist Republicans. They're just registered Republicans. But this happens where people buy and sell or trade lists or what have you. But there's this email list called Rhino Watch Colorado and it keeps tracks keeps track of the republicans in name only the rhinos that are a scourge upon colorado because the rhino watch folks whoever these mysterious people are have somehow been empowered as the arbiters of what is a republican What makes a Republican that you can tolerate, you can uh, respect, you can accept as a Republican? You might be praised, or you could end up on the rhino wall of shame. Well, the Rhino Watch folks put out an email this morning saying, Boebert surrenders CD3 to the enemy." Representative Lauren Boebert disappoints with the announcement she will abandon her CD3 constituents and seek the GOP nomination in CD4. It's a self-serving bid to hold on to political power. Boebert has her issues, but at least she's an American first candidate. She's an America first candidate. Okay. And they're saying, "Okay, this is a self-serving bid." All right, we hear that people are throwing those points out there, but this is the stupid part. Her move guarantees CD3 will now go to a Democrat or a unit party Republican in name only—a unit party rhino, the enemy. That would probably be. Uh, Jeff Hurd, at least as of now, that was the, the lead opponent to Lauren Boebert. But here's the thing that's absolutely dumb about that sentence. If you are a partisan Republican, the enemy is not the other Republicans who might get elected to the legislature. The enemy is the Democrat. Right? Because if Democrats take control of the U.S. House of Representatives... There is no Speaker Mike Johnson. There is no Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan. Republicans don't get to set the agenda. If in 2024, the worst case scenario, the House and the Senate and the presidency are all lost to the Democrats and Biden gets reelected, then his agenda, the Biden agenda, gets to be rammed through. On the other hand, if Republicans hold the House, then they're able to at least push back against a lot of the drivel that the Democrats want to ram through. And that only happens if, for example, the third congressional district seen by Democrats up to this point, prior to Boebert's announcement, as one of their biggest pickups in the country. They want CD3. And I grew up listening to talk radio and hearing Mike Rosen talk about party Trump's person. The idea being that you need to have control of the legislature for your party in order to move your agenda forward or at the very least stop the other side. Because in Europe, they form their coalitions after the election. Their parties get in office and then they decide, okay, who's going to actually be in charge? How is this going to work? Whereas in the United States... We vote Republican, we vote Democrat, whoever gets control ends up in charge of the chamber. It's a done deal at that point. The only time any negotiations might happen is if you happen to have somebody who's an unaffiliated or independent, and you want them to caucus with your party or the other. That's where you could have a little bit of a change. But that's not something that happens in terms of actually making a big difference, at least it hasn't to this point. Normally, you're like Ben Nighthorse Campbell, and you'll change parties, and then that will end up switching to the other side in terms of control of the body, House or Senate. But fundamentally here, you want a Republican, whoever that Republican is in the general election, to get into the U.S. House. It is not an enemy to have a Republican that isn't your ideal Republican when you're talking about the legislature, the Congress. And yet they have declared that Bobert has committed a shameful act in switching to CD4 and letting either a Democrat or the uniparty Republican win. It's nonsense. It is much more understandable to make an argument, oh, well, should she be running in the fourth CD that's not her district, not where she lives? Which brings us at 303-696-1971 to Frank in Golden. Good morning, Frank. Jimmy, in for George. How are you?
2: Hey, Jimmy. Okay. How about yourself?
1: I'm doing just fine. Happy New Year.
2: Yeah, Happy New Year. Um, hey, I think this needs kind of like an emperor has no clothes moment here. I mean, I, I don't think there's some, some mystery. Lauren Bulbert knew she was going down in flames in the third. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what these rhino email list people think, (laughs) it may actually help the Republican Party because I think there is a larger conservative group out there than there is a Democratic group. Oh, no doubt. And and so, look, she won by 500 votes before all the other nonsense. So she was going to get clobbered. But this is basically just somebody who's become an attention seeker carpetbagging to another district that she really has absolutely no connection to whatsoever. I don't know if she's ever lived there. I don't know if she's driven through there. I suspect she has at some point in her life. But, I mean, this this doesn't make a lick of sense. And it really does take away from legitimate candidates, um, you know, who actually have some form of a connection there.
1: Now, and, I, I, I want to I, jump in real quick on, on one point, yeah. Frank, because... It does make sense in two ways. One, you're right. She It was razor thin. She barely held on to the third CD, and that district almost certainly, if she was the nominee, was going to fall. I don't think that Boebert had any chance of winning in the general election, and she might have even lost the primary. The fourth CD, though, this would be the second benefit. One, you don't have a guaranteed loss. Number two... In the fourth CD, it is a solidly Republican district, and name ID can help drive success in that context. So you're more likely by far to win in this seat, even though she doesn't have those kinds of connections. Of course, the argument can be made in the primary, you are not from this district, you used the term just now, Frank Carpetbagger, that could be thrown at her, That can be an argument in the primary but if she gets through the primary and gets to the general then she's very likely to win and then it makes all the sense in the world
2: yeah you know but I guess why doesn't it make all the sense in the world to just let Deborah Flora have a chance here and just let Lauren who's made her own bed here lie in it I mean I don't I don't the other thing that bothers me about this is that there's something that's kind of going unspoken here other than the obvious just attention seeking component of this how successful a congressperson has Lauren Boebert been? She's been successful in being a lightning rod, but has she been successful in being mm. a congressperson? Fair question. And I don't think she really has. The other thing—the other thing that bothers me—and and you know, I listened to part of her stuff yesterday on the show, and I read part of her statement, and it just are, does. Does she take people for idiots? I mean, she's talking about how. She is doing this for her family and all this other stuff. She's going through a freaking divorce. Do you want a congressperson of any stripe preoccupied with an ugly divorce. Well, the the same
1: question can be applied to any candidate who has personal issues that go on in that regard or or in terms of like legal issues that are that are coming up. And, you know, folks can can pose those those kinds of questions, but she would not be the first uh, elected official or candidate running for office while going through a divorce.
2: She also isn't the first elected or potential electable candidate uh, who's you know, invoking family while going to spend almost what three quarters of her time in Washington, D.C. I mean, what it, this is just purely all of this is all this whole run is is for Lauren. There isn't anything else about this. This isn't some flowery, uh, uh you know, for the better good of the country and all this other nonsense. This is just her. This is just her. Seeking attention and trying to stay in the limelight and trying to stay relevant. That's all this is.
1: Frank, your passion here here. is shining through, making some strong points. I appreciate the call. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, you too. Our telephone number, 303-696-1971. Is this all self-serving? That's an argument you're going to continue to hear. And, I mean, frankly, it does advantage her. It is literally self-serving in the sense that it makes it far more likely for Boebert to hold her position in Congress. It'll be a different seat representing a different district, but it's much more likely. That certainly does serve any self-desire, self-interest to retain a position in power in Congress. But is there more value to it? Does she bring something to the table that is particularly unique, particularly strong, and also that will win over the voters in the 4th Congressional District? 303-696-1971. 3036961971. We'll keep calls going. We also will be joined in just a bit by Rashini Rajkumar, who's the host of a podcast called The Crisis Files. She's an experienced and tremendous communication coach. She's based out of Minnesota. I want to talk a little bit about 2023 in retrospect, but really I'd love to get her take as well on this particular issue of Bobert. From being outside of the state, what does she think? How is this being perceived elsewhere in terms of that position or that shift for Boebert? Before we go to our break, though, let's jump over to Steve in Littleton. Good morning, Steve. What's on your mind?
3: Hey, Jimmy. So I just wanted to call in and bring to the attention. Seems like a couple callers claim to be conservative, but they're not, you know. Give you an example, the last three years, I've had to take out numerous loans. I've had to work second and third jobs in order to meet my bills, where before, three years ago, it wasn't a problem. Uh, Lauren Bulber's always been on the side of President Trump. She's always defended conservative values. Um, People obviously aren't watching C-SPAN enough to see what she speaks about when she is in D.C. Uh, Along the same lines like Ted Cruz, Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're all for the Constitution, supporting the conservative values. Sometimes more extreme than others, but it took an extreme person to take the White House. And that was Donald Trump. He He wasn't the normal character.
1: I would say that 2016 was a rather unique election cycle and you had just come out of two terms of obama and so the american people were ripe for a change and donald trump proved to be an effective candidate i don't think that he was they were going for him because he was an extreme candidate in that regard steve i would disagree with you there
3: well yeah i mean i can understand that also it was I don't know. They just want to stay in
1: power, I guess. Here's the thing, though, and this is a question uh, that I think is going to need to be answered is what uh, listeners posed it before. What has Boebert accomplished in Congress? What legislation has she actually gotten through beyond being somebody who uses the bully pulpit of the floor of Congress or a committee hearing or a cable news interviewer coming on the radio here with George or me or anybody else. Uh, what has she done other than shine light on some issues? Is that enough for a member of Congress when you have all sorts of people in the media and elsewhere who do that real quick, Steve?
3: Well, honestly, it's, I think she might be getting beat down slightly from the people that are more senior as far as when she's bringing things to the light. But, I know she helped with it. when they were trying to push through the Colorado River, back down, you know, taking more water from Colorado River, Arizona mm-hmm. trying to station more water. Sure. I know that was one thing that she was fighting for. But no, I mean I honestly can't say. Yeah. A and
1: that's, that, she that's one thing, as she wants to run for a new district, she's going to have to highlight, is these are the things that I've accomplished. You should let me bring this to CD4, because it's not just about... The name, okay, name ID is the biggest thing to propel somebody to win, but that's not the case that you can make. You have to say, this is what I'm going to bring to the district, and it has to include, I think, some things that you've accomplished. But, Steve, I got to run to a break. Yeah. I really appreciate the call. Happy right, New Year, Jimmy. brother.
3: Hey, you too. Take care.
1: Thank you. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we'll get some perspective from communication coach, host of the Crisis Files podcast, Rashini Rajkumar, Jimmy Sangenberger, filling out the rest of the show for George Brockler here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Good morning, Jimmy Sangenberger here with you and for George Brockler News Talk 710 KNUS. Happy New Year. Good to be with you. Rounding out the weekday talk on the program before the new year begins. Can you believe that 2023 is just about over? Just a couple of days left. Good to be with you. We'll get back to the phones in a little bit at 303-696-1971. Of course, you can text into the show as well on the 710 KNUS app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town, if you wish to text in, please. And, of course... You can also email yours truly. If you go to the Jimmy Sangenberger show page, that's my show Saturday morning 6 to 9 at 710knus.com. You can shoot me an email there, and then there's my website, jimmysangenberger.com. Keep in mind, there's no A, I, or U in Sangenberger. It's all ease all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is easy. So... This story regarding Lauren Boebert has been very fascinating, moving from the 3rd Congressional District into the 4th. It is interesting, especially given that she's become a very nationally known name. And so folks everywhere across the country can have some familiarity with Boebert. This is also just a general rarity of somebody moving from one district to another. That's the first topic that I want to hit on before we look back at 2023 and some of the big headlines with Rashini Rajkumar, good friend of mine who's been on my show as a guest for almost a decade. She is a crisis strategist, a licensed attorney, and the host of the Crisis Files podcast, which is now about to debut its 75th episode from 2012 to 2021. She hosted Real Talk with Rashini on WCCO radio in the Twin Cities in Minnesota. And her book, Communicate That, is in its third edition. Rashini Rajkumar joins me now. Good morning, Rashini, and happy new year.
0: Good morning, Jimmy. Great to be with you on this last Friday of the year.
1: Great to have you on the program for this final Friday. And I would be remiss because it's been just the talk for days here in Denver. If I didn't get your take, especially as a a crisis strategist and as a, a communications coach, on this decision by our congresswoman for the 3rd Congressional District in Colorado, Lauren Boebert, to make a switch to the 4th District. Now, she was on with George Brockler yesterday and talked about a couple of her reasons. One being, look, they've been throwing all this dark money at me and uh, it makes it more difficult for me to win in this district. Number two, I have some roots in Douglas County because I lived here in my younger days and so forth. Uh, Those are a couple of things. Of course, it seems more like The number one was the case she was probably going to lose. CD4 is more of a Republican district, a solidly Republican district, meaning um, good chance that if she wins the nomination, there's a primary with several candidates she's jumping into that she'll win in the general. But what is your take sort of abstractly as somebody who doesn't live here, who doesn't know too much about the situation? How do you think uh, of this uh, approach yourself, but also from the perspective of people who may hear this news out of state?
0: Well, the obvious accusation of carpetbagging is there for sure. And it really does sound like she's trying to cherry pick where she's going to get those votes. And when these types of things happen with office holders, I am very dismayed because, really, they should be looking at their record. What did you do for the people of CD3? Can you just not make a good case anymore that you should be reelected or the signs are the writings on the wall that you're going to lose? Oh, let me go pick another district. I mean, that in itself is pretty disingenuous unless she's just so popular and has such a great chance in CD4 and there's some overwhelming need to represent the people of Colorado and CD4. It it's kind of hard to make a real passionate plea for her case. I mean, I'm just saying that as a non-Coloradan and also just from the optics of all of this. And she isn't someone who apparently is squeaky clean with the fact that she's made national headlines with some of her different behaviors. So I think it's just going to be interesting to watch people like you and I. Really, we really do like watching these kinds of antics. It makes the shows fun and interesting. But the people of those two districts are really the ones who should uh, call her on whatever she's doing because Mm -hmm. they ultimately are the people who are voting.
1: So there is a very strong primary of several candidates, as I mentioned, that she's jumping into this race for. If you were one of those candidates, what might you contend on the basis uh, of—obviously, you're you're not in Colorado, so you don't have all the information—but what, at first brush— might be from a communication standpoint, one or two of the most effective points in a primary for somebody who, frankly, Lauren Boebert is very popular among the Republican base because she she's a American first candidate. She's very close to President Trump and a lot of Republicans that, that find that very appealing. So with that in mind, what might you think? Okay, you're running in a primary against Boebert. What might you say?
0: Well, the other candidates, of course, each of them has to first assess how well known am I? What kind of credibility do I have, even if I go about attack her, Can I use my own credentials, my own history if I've served in office before? The other main thing is really to use language of manipulation. She sounds like she's manipulating you, people in the fourth, you know, different things like that, so that you sort of put the seed in their mind, the seed of doubt in their mind. So that would be the strategy I would advise any of of these other candidates not fully knowing who they all are and what strengths or weaknesses they have. But that's probably the best way to go. But I always think it's dangerous to point too much at your opposition versus really trying to shine brightly with what you bring to the table. Now, a little different when it comes to a primary, I understand, because, you know, you're just trying to, you're just trying to win it So that you can stay in it, right? But that's the kind of uh, language that I would use, that language of manipulation. You know, does she think you're all fools, people, because I'm here to represent you and stay here. I live here. This district means a lot to me. Those kinds of things are the messaging recommendations I would make to those other primary candidate. Is
1: there anything you think she might make as an appeal to the fourth CD? Hey, you should vote for me. I mean, does it need to come down to here are the things that I've accomplished or just I'm a fighter. I've got the right principles and you should you should elect me because I know how Congress works and I can keep fighting in the in there if you put me in the fourth.
0: Well, you know, principles are an interesting thing because some people go really far with the ethics there. I don't know that she's the speaking of ethics. What she can have going in her favor is how much does she want to appeal to keeping the seat, you know, along the lines of a Republican who already has some experience, who knows how to do uh, some of the things, some of the manipulations, some of the, sadly, some of the activities of D.C. So that's where, you know, at a time when power in Congress, power in the U.S. Senate, you know, is at different tipping points. So that's really the argument that she has is to not let it just accidentally, you know, go. We don't want it going to the Democrats. She could say something like that, as well as just her own uh, credentials Mm. and experience.
1: Sure. Rashini Rajkumar joining us, host of the Crisis Files podcast and Crisis Strategist. I want to shift in to 2023. We are at the end of this year. And in Colorado, obviously, we have this big political story to round out the year. And that's certainly one for the record books. But across the country, we've had so much. I mean, we've got a war in Israel that launched in uh, October when Hamas brutally attacked the Jewish state in the worst, most deadly attack against Jews since the Holocaust. We have the ongoing war in Ukraine of Ukraine doing its best to push back against Putin. And there's a lot of politics around that. We have a southern border crisis that has deteriorated. There are so many things politically and otherwise to jump into. When you look back at 2023, Rashini, and especially the beginning of the year, if we can even remember that far back with everything that happens, what are one or two things that really stand out?
0: Well, first, I'll give you the big headline. So 2023 was a year of some very sad deaths. Some yes. people that had lived long lives. So we'll get into that in a second. But let's go back to January 2nd, 2023, when DeMar Hamlin, a 25-year-old Buffalo Bill, collapses on the field. Fortunately for him, the medical team went into swift motion, got him the attention he needed, and what a miraculous recovery. But what part of that headline shows us, and another one I'll mention, is how much of a hold the NFL and sports and famous athletes have on Americans day-to-day. So that was definitely a gripping story. At the time, my cousin was uh, in the front office with the Buffalo Bills, so my brother and I were texting him that evening trying to get any of the behind-the-scenes that we could. It definitely was something that rocked that whole organization, rocked the NFL, and really all of many of us our sports fans were following that story. So that was really huge. And luckily, DeMar Hamlin was a healthy man, an athlete, and everything happened in the right order medically for him to survive that. The other real NFL headline to me involves entertainment, and that's the Taylor Swift... Um, Kelsey, you know, the Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey coupling and just the popularity of them as a couple, uh, how the numbers for the NFL went up for those KC games when Taylor Swift was in the audience. She becomes person of the year by Time Magazine, not only because of her relationship, but because of her huge Eras tour and like the huge multi- the multiplier effect that that tour had in all the cities economically. So, entertainment, sports, they really have a hold in our country. And I think at a time when politicians are really letting us down, we sort of look to some of those happier stories, Jimmy.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting that you would highlight those two sports-related stories or sports-specific stories, although I say related because Taylor Swift, of course, is not a sports icon. Well, okay, now she's a sports icon. And in the in the pop culture, that's a big deal. Now, you mentioned the uh, the high-profile deaths by people who have lived long lives. I mean, Henry Kissinger comes to mind as but one example, dying at the age of 100. Tony Bennett, Jimmy Buffett in the music world passed away. Who are some of those standouts who died that you say, okay, these are some of the icons that we lost, and that's a big story?
0: Well, let's start with Sandra Day O'Connor. So I, I say this not only because I am a licensed attorney But even as far, you know, I haven't, I've been licensed for, I don't know, I can't even remember now, 1997, I got my license in Minnesota. And even at that time, in the mid to late 90s, when I was in law school, Sandra Day O'Connor was thought of as this trailblazer. And that was still a time, even now. It's like people don't realize, I think, if you're coming of age in the current age, what a big deal it was that she was named the first female Supreme Court justice in the United States. I mean, that was such a big deal. And she was this big motivator. She came from, you know, your part of the country and was such a cowboy, cowgirl in her, in her heart. And she took that all the way to the this court. So her death was, I think, very, just a, a time to reflect, that was one. And you mentioned some other big names in politics. I think another one, and it personally rocked me because I kind of, you know, in my formative years after college, grew up with the show Friends when Matthew Perry died. That just was so surprising, even though it was no secret that he had addiction issues and, and major alcohol issues and uh, drug issues. But, you know, he was recovering, he was helping other people. But to have this icon that was so part of the culture of people of, you know, kind of a certain age bracket, maybe overspanning about 20 years, yeah. I'm in that bracket. Uh, You can't really, I mean, how many times do I say things I think were inspired by his quotes from the show Hmm. that are just part of my own lexicon, right? So those are some of the the big deaths. You, You mentioned a couple, but Sandra Day and Matthew Perry, for their own unique reasons, were really huge.
1: Real quick, because I'm just about out of time. As we look ahead to 2024, what do you think folks should be watching for in the new year? Early on in the new year, not looking out per se to November.
0: Well, politics will definitely take a hold of our country. I have said this, I've said it on The Crisis Files, the episode that just dropped today, number 76, called Crystal Balls. I say one of the big headlines in 2024 will be the Hispanic votes and what kind of movement we see there and the Hispanic culture uh, across entertainment and other fields. So to me, that's the big story of 2024. Uh, We do have to figure out What's happening in our country, the divisiveness is just terrible. And I really hope that we're going to see some voices of reason come about. So I hold Mm -hmm. some hope for 2024. And as I always say, not a matter of if, but when, crisis will rock your world. So we do want everyone to be preventing crisis in their own lives.
1: Yeah, and one thing I'm looking forward to early in 2024... Being on The Crisis Files with you, Rashini Rajkumar, I'm very much looking forward to that. That'll be coming up soon in the next month. Happy New Year, folks. Check out The Crisis Files podcast on all the podcast platforms. Really appreciate it, Rashini, and we'll talk to you again in 2024. Thanks,
0: Jimmy. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year to you as well. We're going to take a break, finish up the hour. Jimmy in for George. That is Jimmy Sangenberger here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Jimmy Sangenberger back with you. Gotta love that Sultans of swing. As we continue, News Talk 710 KNUS in for George Brockler. We are tight on time, but I want to squeeze in Bill and Parker, who's been patiently waiting as we've been discussing quite the news story of this week. It's been keeping the phones going on Lauren Boebert making the switch from CD3 and saying, you know what, I'm going to run for the 4th Congressional District now. Bill, good morning. Good morning, Jimmy. Good morning. What's on yeah, your mind? I'm... We're tight in time.
4: OK, well, you know, first of all, that four CD is going to be Republican. And a, as has been noted, there's a lot of worthy people, Deb Flora, uh, Ted Harvey, others who uh, ha- are from this district have contributed both in government and in the private sector. And they deserve a chance for them to, you know, Deb Flora put her life on hold to go after this seat and for her, for this bull in the China shop to come in here is uh, is really unfair to her. But I would say if Lauren wants to uh, help the GOP, she might consider going after Caraveo's seat because that was a very tight seat. And Lauren, with all her accomplishments, could probably easily sweep that and make that an R from a D. Whereas all she's going to do here is make it from an R to another R. So there's no point in her running here.
1: Ah, so – That's that's the thing, is this is a much more solidly Republican seat than CD8, and people on the right, Republicans want to pick up CD8. It is possible to pick up the 8th Congressional District from Caraveo. That ain't going to happen if you have somebody who's a lightning rod like Lauren Boebert, but in the 4th Congressional District... That may be an appeal to some is, oh, we're going to have this lightning rod fighter who will be in Congress now representing the fourth. That's something that might be an appeal, but you're suggesting, nope, it's not. There are other she good just candidates. Street performance. She's just a street performance artist, a clickbait princess,
4: and she's not a, she's not an accomplished. probably What can she do that Ted Harvey's not going to do with Deb floor? Hmm. And by the way, by the way, here's another thing, your Congress, your congressional delegation, I got to run for Senate runs.
1: Yeah. OK, I got to run, Thanks. Bill. I'm sorry we can hear the bumper music. I appreciate it. Is this an instance of Lauren Boebert trampling upon the other candidates in a way that ticks you off? 303-696-1971. Another hour up ahead. Jimmy and for George. Stay with us.